everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 39, Everyday Linux, for the week of March 24th, 2011. This is a, a slightly different uh, topic than we've done before. This is actually a different podcast. Uh, some of our uh, previous contributors and I uh, had an idea of starting a podcast called Everyday Linux, uh, and it's going to be a show where we uh, get together and and talk with a newbie, a, a beginner to Linux, and the idea is that we would introduce uh, some of the basic concepts of Linux and, and living with it. And so uh, that's what this show is about, Everyday Linux, and so I will introduce our host to you. Uh, they will be familiar to you if you're regular listeners of the Taiwan Tech, uh, and uh, our first uh, guest, uh, host rather, is uh, Josh Reitz, who goes by Tux2 in the chat room. Say hello, say hello to everybody, Josh. Hello, everyone. And Chris Neves, who goes by Slipped in the chat room. Say hello, Chris. And hello, everyone. And our newbie of the week, I suppose, or of the month, or however this works out, is Miss Kay Arthur. Hello, Kay. Hi. And this is not my show. This show is for uh, Chris and Josh, and so I'm just going to sit back and have a sip of coffee and uh, let them do their thing. So go, guys. No pressure. Well, gee, thanks, Mark. Wait, wait, wait to lay the pressure on That's us. That's right. No pressure. Just don't screw up. <laughs> hmm. Let's see here. What should we do now? <laughs> All right. So I guess I'll start off here. Um, first thing you know that everyone is probably wondering is um, what is Linux. Um, so you know what. So we're going to talk about what exactly is Linux here. So, so slip if you want to talk about that. Well, you know, most people think that Linux could be that, you know, the old school command line where everyone sees it as a black screen with little white text and, you know, you have to know all these cryptic command line commands that you have to type in and, but it's not anymore. That's what it is um, in the movies. Oh, that's the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're all not as cool as, as, uh, oh, what was her name in, uh, that Sandra Bullock? Are you going back that far? Trinity. The That's net? what it was. Oh, okay. Trinity from The Matrix. Oh, yes. When she, yes. Yeah. I'm but, not yeah, nearly... Not all- I don't look nearly as good in, in, in latex, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, latex is a scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're, we're the Linux community has is, is gotten to the point now where... You know, you can have your Linux and your Windows and all your fancy GUI interfaces and do just the same as you can in Windows as you can in Linux. All right, I'm going to stop you there, Chris. What is a GUI? A GUI is a graphical user interface, otherwise known as, like, the Windows when you're, like, in a browser. That would be considered a GUI. There you go. So, basic, you know, I, I'd like to expand a little bit on there, um, you know, what, what most people, you know, if they're not work, looking at the box with uh, white letters and, you know, white letters and black background or anything like that, um, basically that would be considered to everyone to be the GUI, so. Right. And, in uh, you know, Windows, it's your, your start bar. You've got your little X at the top and your little dash where you minimize and you close things. That's the graphical, the mouse, the key, the cursor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with modern Linux distributions, I'd say uh, the last eight years or so, they have been largely on par uh, with Windows. It looks 
it, it looks a little different, but it's uh, it's very Windowsy. I mean, you have still Windows, right? That and that's the language that we who use Linux every day talk about. We minimize that window, maximize that window. It's the same sort of language. It's the same analogy that we're all used to. It's not the uh, the command line stuff anymore. However, uh, you guys tell me, can you live in Linux without using the command line? Uh, I don't know about you, Josh, but yes, you can. Yeah. Um, you can, but if you wanted to have some access to some of the more, uh, higher end functions, the command line is the way to go. But for day to day usage, you don't need to even see the command line anymore. Exactly. Um, when I'm using my computer, um, about 95% of the stuff I'm doing is actually using the graphical user interface or basically what everyone else would be doing on Windows or Mac, basically, you know. Um, there's a few things that I do drop to the command line for, but that is for, like, server administration and some really advanced stuff. So, basically, you know, an average user can live on the on Linux. Right, Kayla? Yep. All right, Kayla, let's talk about uh, your experience. Um, you're relatively new to Linux. You said earlier before we started recording that you were using uh, Ubuntu Linux. Just talk a little bit about that. Why Why did you move to Linux? Because um, for Ubuntu, I can't play my Netflix without Linux, and I can't live without my Netflix. Well, So Josh set up Ubuntu, uh, not Ubuntu, Linux for me. Well, basically, um, what what happened is um, we I got her an old computer, and it only and it could only handle Linux. So I p- gave her Linux. So Kayla, have you been liking Linux? Oh yeah. Um, is there? I've been having fun with it. <laughs> I want to know how you do Linux in uh, how, how you do Netflix in Linux because I don't know how to do that. What's the secret? She has a virtual machine that I set up for uh, her. Ah, so you're not. It's you're cheating. Cool. <laughs> for her it's Linux you know so well and I like to clear something up um, when it comes to we're, we're kind of synonyming I can't think of that I can't say that word Syn- synonyming the word Linux and Ubuntu together and they're not exactly the same mm-hmm. because Ubuntu is a distribution of Linux Linux is the underpinnings and Ubuntu is the pretty over top. I guess would be the best way to describe that. Okay, let's talk about distribution. That's a word we're going to use a lot throughout the course of this show. Um, uh, Chris, give me a definition of distribution. Well, it's, let's see, distribution, that would be, well, I'll make it an analogy. That would be the easiest way to describe it. Um, Ford is a distribution of an automobile. So Ubuntu is a distribution of Linux. So for every different automobile you can think of, there would be an, equi- an equivalent in the distribution of Linux. So like um, K is running Ubuntu. That is a Linux distribution that is based on um, the Debian system. There's also uh, OpenSUSE or OpenSUSE, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> There's also... Fedora and Red Hat Linux and then Gentoo. These are all distributions. They're all running the same basic underpinnings. They just have different ideas on how to distribute their software. 
All right, and jumping off of your car analogy there, you can drive an SUV and be a soccer mom. Uh, you can drive a fast little sporty uh, car. Uh, you can drive a utility work truck. You can drive uh, a, a semi, a giant big rig, but they all have an engine and a number of tires and a steering wheel and a gear shift of some sort. And so uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, Linux, that's the engine and the tires and the steering wheel. And if you know how to drive, um, you know, a Miata with a little bit of experience, you can drive a dump truck. Uh, it's still driving. And so, uh, we would say that computing is the, the skill. If you can compute with Windows, if you can compute with a Mac, you can compute with Linux. That, that's the skill set that has to move over. And you just have to learn where the rearview mirror is and, and, and how to read the speedometer in Chinese, maybe. Uh, but it's just, <laughs> it's just a little different. That's exactly right, Mark. I would say that that pretty much hits it on the head. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Color commentary, right? That's anyway. Right. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, we you've got you've got Ubuntu there, and you chose it, or it sounds like uh, uh, it was chosen for you because your computer uh, is an older computer. Is that about right? Yes. It was, it was an older model, and it couldn't handle Windows, so we put Ubuntu on it, and I love it. Okay. Okay. So it's, so now, just to let you know, um, she did just recently get an upgrade to a newer computer, so she is actually running on a nice, fast computer, but she still didn't want Windows on it. She wanted Ubuntu, so. Mm-hmm. That just goes to prove that once you learn... Once you get over that inter- that user interface change between where everything is in Windows and where everything is in Linux, you can still use Linux every day. Everyday yep. Linux. What a great name for a podcast. We should do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, L- Kayla, um, how often do you use Linux? Um, I have to say on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so how often have you been using wind, you know, as you know, apart from school and the school computers, when you're at home, do you ever jump onto your mom's computer and use Windows or are you basically on your computer using Linux all day? I'm pretty much on my ever since the upgrade, I'm pretty much on my computer using Linux every day. I don't get on mom's computer anymore. Great. So, you know, everything, you know, so so Linux meets all of your needs and everything like that that you can do except for that yep. Netflix part? Yeah, the only reason I ever get on her computer is because I don't have a printer and I haven't gotten the wireless hooked up so I had to get on her computer to try and print and it never didn't work. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <crazy. laughs> Alright, so I just, I just wanted to ask those few questions there, so. Well, off of that, um, Josh, how, how often do you use your your Linux machine? Are you 100% Linux all day, every day, or are you uh, 90%? Um, I would have to say about 99%. Um, the only time I ever boot into Windows is um, is when I'm playing a, a Windows game. Uh, and even then, I've actually gotten the games that I play in Windows working under Linux using some other stuff. And um, that's... And, you know, basically Windows just sits there for weeks on end. This is the first time I've actually booted into Windows to do the podcast since, you know, I, I haven't been in Windows for over seven days. Wow. 
Okay, let's talk about that irony. People, did you hear that? <laughs> he had to boot into Windows to do our Linux podcast. Yeah, there you go. Um, and the reason for that was uh, that Skype didn't want to work in Linux. And so let's let's talk about that. Let's get some of the uh, the point out the warts on the nose. Um, Linux is not as well supported in either hardware or software as would be Windows. And and for obvious reasons, there are billions of copies of Windows out there, and and it's the market leader, and, and it's a multi-trillion dollar industry worldwide. Uh, Linux is much less so. So if you are a software company or a hardware company, and you're going to design something, you're going to design it for Windows, and secondarily for Mac, and then if you get around to it, for Linux. So every now and then, you're going to run into things um, that have issues. Um, Kay, do you have any experience with that? We already talked about Netflix. You had to, to do some special uh, tricks for that. Has there been anything else you've run into that just flat wouldn't work or didn't work well? Um, there are some of like my computer games like uh, from CDs, uh, compact discs, that I can't play on this all that well. But because they're made especially for Windows and not Linux. All right. But that's about it. Chris, I know Which you've is, you've talked about your headset troubles recently that uh, you haven't had issues with drivers. Would you like to talk about your experience there a little bit? Oh, with my Bluetooth headset and right. the fact that it wouldn't work for a long time? Well, it did work, I should say, but I always had to jump through a bunch of hoops. And it was it's in Windows it would work brilliantly, but here in, in my when I first got my headset and was first playing with the my Linux install with it, it was rough. And it was a long time of, of digging through forum posts and trying to find the solution. And when I did find it, it was a 13-second fix, and now I have no problems with it. So, yes, there are problems in Linux. They are being worked on, just like with my webcam. We'll go into that later. <laughs> but um, for just as many problems in Linux, there is, I've had just as many problems in Windows. No, 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 no. Um, Windows doesn't have any problems. I don't understand. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to turn this into a bash Windows podcast. <laughs> We've been bashing I, Linux enough, right? <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't want to have that whole connotation of, you know, like Sean at the Tightwad Tech. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's just... Uh, my point there is that all operating, all complex systems have problems. You know, whether it's a, a computer operating system or plumbing, you know, all complex systems have problems. And and uh, so, with that in mind, why would you choose Linux over something else? Now, uh, we we already gave one reason. Uh, it can often run under lower uh, hardware uh, requirements than can a modern uh, uh, more modern Windows, uh, Vista, and and Windows Seven are kind of hogs about what they need, so is uh, Mac OS X, uh, whereas uh, some of the, the more uh, Linux you can get away with leaner hardware. What are some other reasons? Why, why did you choose Linux? I mean, there, there are four people on this podcast now who are using Linux as their primary operating system. Um, why? Josh, well, do you want to take this one first? Sure, I was going to do that. Um, let's see here. I I chose Linux. Um, basically, I got started in Linux um, basically just as the GUI was starting to come out and um, become usable. Um, you know, I, I looked at it. I saw the speed and everything, and um, I, I, I just fell in love with it. Um, so it was, it was, you know, and I started using it, and, um, you know, I liked the interface. I didn't like 
I, I liked that it, it loaded faster on my computer, so I started using it there. And then I found that the programs that were in Linux worked um, worked about the same or even better than the Windows programs I was using, so I just started using those. And then before I knew it, you know, I... You know, when I first partitioned my first laptop with Windows and Linux, I would usually boot into Windows all the time. But I found as I, as I learned more and more about Linux, I was, I was using the Windows part less and less of booting into Linux because that's where everything was. So, you know, as I started to use it, you know, I started to shift things over. And, um, you know, it's also because when I install Linux, it seems like everything's just right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Windows, I have to go through and I have to go over here and download this, over here and download that, while in Linux, you know, they have a package manager and a lot of the packages that I need are just right there and I just download and I'm ready to go. Okay, let's let's not gloss over that. Um, a, most every Linux distribution comes with an office suite and uh, a suite of games and um, a chat client, uh, the things that you would go and have to download uh, on a new Windows install um, come with it. Now, again, you could say the same for uh, Mac. They pretty much come mm-hmm. with everything. Uh, but that is a, a very good reason. You don't get just an operating system. You get an, a complete computing platform uh, after your 20-minute install. Uh, and then the package man- the management that you mentioned – is is somewhat uh, unique in that you you open up whatever we'll we'll say in Ubuntu. There's the the software center. You open that up. You type in the search term for what you're looking for, and it lists everything available on that platform that you can get. And then you just download it with a couple of clicks. Uh, almost all of it is free. Very little of it uh, costs money. And that those that do cost money are generally uh, quite reasonable in their expense. Now, I would like to jump in there and say with those people who have just ex- started experiencing the Apple, the App Store on their Macs and on the iPad and iPhone, it's basically very similar to that. You just search for what you want and you click the one, and you click the install button and it installs. You just type in your, your password for Linux. All right. Uh, so, Chris, what about you? Why did you choose to run Linux as your everyday operating system? Well, when I first started with Linux, long, long ago, <laughs> um, it was uh, it, it was out of it was out of curiosity. I, I heard about it from all the guys I was I was talking with for computers that knew a whole lot more than I were I did. Um, I was still really wet behind the ears then, um, but now when I first switched over uh, eight years ago, it was because I had a flaky computer. It would not run any form of Windows. And if and if it did, it would last about a week, and then it would blue screen. It would never start again. Put Linux on it, and it ran brilliantly. Matter of fact, it's still running. And that was eight years ago. Um, and I just changed my distribution since and tried different variations of it. Uh, it was more, like I said, out of curiosity to start with, and now it's become necessity because everything I use is in my Linux machine. Um, the first things I install, if I were to do a Windows install, I would have to go out and get them. Firefox, um, a chat client, all of those. And now I just have it ready. It made life simple. Yeah, I'd also, I'd also like to point out, um, he mentioned that one of his computers was glitchy and buggy. I had one of that, one of those experiences with my computers where, you know, Windows glitched all the time. And, um, you know, 
Linux worked beautifully on that computer too. You know, it 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 works with hardware that Windows refuses to run. So, but on that same note, I've had hardware that will not ever run in Linux because it's completely proprietary to Windows, and that's because the manufacturer is only writing drivers for Windows. Exactly. I've had that happen a few times with a few wireless cards I've tried to plug into some computers. So, yeah, exactly. Mark, what about you? Well, uh, I was waiting for somebody to ask. Thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the reason uh, I started uh, was in my job as a network administrator. Uh, my first experience with it was looking for a content filter uh, for the internet at, at the school that didn't cost us a fortune. And what I found was called Dan's Guardian, and it only worked on Linux. And so uh, I got some experience with it. And then I found uh, here's this really high-quality server-grade uh, operating system. We're talking about uh, home use, but um, there's this really high-quality server-grade operating system. And I started putting it all over the place, uh, and I've been using it for over a decade now. Um, just because it's 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 really stable and it really works and it does anything uh, that I'd ever, I'd ever want to do. And so a couple of years ago, I bought a new laptop and I thought, let me see, can I live with Linux? Can I use it every day? Uh, I use it at work, but I still have my Windows desktop, and then I, you know, uh, go use the the Linux servers when I need them. Let's look at. Linux on the desktop. Can I live with it? So I bought a brand new laptop that came with Windows Vista on it, and I, I kept that on there because I wasn't sure, and I repartitioned it and put uh, Ubuntu Linux on it, um, and I chose that one because it's the one that is the most supported right now. It's sort of the 800-pound gorilla of the of the Linux world right now. Uh, so I put it on there, and I've never looked back. And, and uh, as both of you have said, over, the, over time, the things that I had to go to Windows for have gone away, and now I don't I don't ever go to Windows um, because all of the tools that I needed to use are, are either now Linux compatible or I found Linux versions of them or replacements for them. And so that's, uh, that's my operating system. And when I buy a new laptop, I'll do it again. It's because I'm comfortable with it. It's what I like. Uh, and it works really well. So, Kayla, um, I know we've talked a little bit of why you switched to, you know, why you, why, you know, about, um, about getting into Linux and stuff like that. But um, talk about your exp- your early experiences of working with Linux and what you thought of it, your early impressions. My early impressions were kind of weird because I wasn't used to it. It's like when, uh, when you first set me up with Linux about, was it two years ago? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like odd to me and I was just like this is cool but I'm not used to this and especially after we got the faster we got the upgrade with the computer I had been learning to enjoy it more and more and I just absolutely fell in love with it I mean it's so easy I have an mp3 player that does not want to connect with a windows media player it does not recognize it it does not anything so I could not get my music on there I can do it very simply and fast here on Linux. All I have to do is copy what songs I want on there and add it onto the MP3 player file that pops up when I plug it in, and I'm good to go. I just, I'm happy with it. I wanted to... That goes to show... Go ahead. Well, go ahead, guys. 
I, I just wanted to, to echo a quick story that I had this friend who for years, he's a big Mac zealot. For years, he kept telling me, you need to get a Mac. And, you know, he was a Windows user. And he said, when I first used, started using the Mac, I hated it for a, for a while. I worked through it. I learned how it worked. And now I love it. And and we're, we just heard that same thing uh, from Kayla there. She was a Windows user. She moved to Linux. She didn't like it at first, but she worked through the problems. I think that's going to be true anytime you move from one thing to another. There's the way you're used to doing them, and then you move to a new way of doing them. And once the adjustment period is over, um, it becomes home. And so if you're if you're a Windows user out there who has tried Linux and your first experience was negative, there's a good chance that had you tried Mac, your first experience would have been negative there because it's just different. Or if you're a Mac user who who uh, doesn't like Windows because you know you sit down there and you just don't like it, everything's foreign. Once you get past that phase, uh, you find that it's uh, uh, just as capable an operating system as any of the others out there. Yeah, it's that whole learning curve. Um, yep. Anytime you change something, it's it's painful, and and it's willing to go through that pain to learn something new is is always the problem. Um, from what I understand, the changeover between any operating system—if you're going Windows to Linux, Windows to Mac, or Mac to either er, to either side. It's the same learning curve, no matter which way you're going. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is the Linux way, you can at least try it for nothing. It doesn't cost you a penny. I don't exactly. think we've even mentioned that. Most Linux operating systems are free, as in don't cost anything. But they're also free in, in other ways. If you're uh, one who uh, buys into the ideology of Linux, there are people out there who will talk about information wants to be free. Uh, I don't think inter- information knows what it wants, frankly. Uh, but uh, uh, there's uh, there's a freedom and openness to, to Linux in that uh, if you're one of the 2% of the people on the planet with the skills to do it, you can literally crack open your operating system and make changes to it. And that's that's appealing to the geek set, and that's why I think we have geeks uh, more heavily on uh, running Linux. But I, I want to appeal to not the geeks, but the grandmas, uh, and I want them to know that uh, there's this this operating system out there that is high quality and will probably run better on the grandma computer, uh, and won't cost them anything. I think one of the reasons that Linux needs to, is taking such a, a nice swing about things and in becoming more in your, like you just said, free and happy is because the people that are behind this, the, this Linux system is behind it because they're passionate about doing it. Um, a lot of the people that write code for this, they're doing it on their free time. You know, they come home from their nine to five job and because they love what they're doing with Linux, they write more and more software. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, as far as Windows and uh, Mac goes, you know, it's basically, you know, they do it for their job and not, you know, the other way around, you know, so, 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 you know, they don't, they don't, they write the code because they have to, they don't write it because they're passionate about it. So, you know, I think there's a, it's probably a difference in the quality of the code and the, um, and just the, and just the structure of the code when you, when you have to do it and when you just, when you want to do it, you know what I mean? But we're not going to talk about code much on this podcast. That's, <laughs> of course. Uh, there are lots of other podcasts that you can talk about code. Uh, uh, but this is this is more about the the uh, um, 
the top level stuff, the, the people who just want to get stuff done. I love that story, Kayla, about your uh, uh, MP3 player, uh, because that's true. So many things like that, because there are Linux programmers who have iPods, um, the initial iPod support wasn't there. And in fact, Apple's tried to make it not work um but you know they have worked around it because they love their ipod and they love their linux and they've made it work and so with with any uh um uh almost any i'm gonna hedge myself there with almost any mainstream hardware you can just plug it in and it works uh, i found i'm a was a blackberry user for years i found that my blackberry worked better in linux than it did in windows uh, it was a much simpler process uh, because the the geeks had built that in right into the operating system. I didn't have to go load up the BlackBerry desktop client. It was already there in the operating system and just worked. And see, I've seen that happen the same way with most modern printers, um, most webcams now, say, uh, my Bluetooth devices, the headset I'm currently talking on, and every mouse that I've ever used. The support is just there out of the box. You don't even have to ins- download anything big usually. Um, like for the printers, uh, let's see, I've, I've connected my current laptop to 14 different types of printers from different vendors just to try them. Uh, and it, it, the drivers were built in. I never had to download a thing. I never had to install disks. What are those? <laughs> I, I haven't touched and installed this for Linux ever. Yeah, I, I've, as far as the printer support goes, um, I have also had that experience where you know I you know I go to people's houses and I work on their computers and I need to print something, so I'll just get hop you know I'm already on their wireless network they have the printer attached so I hop on search for the printer install it and I'm printing. There's only one printer where Linux says hey I have to install it but I, all I had to do is type in my password it downloaded it and installed it for me so there was no I have to go find anything it just did it. So, Kay, are we talking over your head yet? Or are you still catching on and everything? I'm still catching on great. And what I really love about Ubuntu, uh, well, Linux, is it gives me, like, if my computer needs to be upgraded, it get, tells me, and it pulls up an update manager, and it tells me that it needs to be updated. And it does this on a daily basis. Like, if cr- Google Chromium ha- has a new uh, upgrade out, it tells me this, and it says, do you want to download it? So, so let's, 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 let's take that a little bit farther here. Um, as far as Windows users are concerned, you know, it kind of downloads Windows updates in the background for you. But all the little um, down update managers for like Adobe and all of that, you know, all that sit in your taskbar taking up room are kind of integrated, you know, are kind of done away with with this update manager that usually comes with a lot of Linux distributions. So... Which that ties into the package manager that we were talking about earlier. Exactly. Um, these systems are fundamentally updated sooner than Windows machines are. Um, when there's a, an exploit for anything that is in your Linux install, they're usually fixed within, I would say, days if, or weeks at most. Where Linux, Linux pro, or Windows problems, they can take up to a month before even the Windows people sends down fixes. And then you have to worry about Adobe sending fixes or say your printer drivers have an, have an issue. You have to wait for HP or Epson or whoever your printer driver manufacturer is to make a fix. 
with Linux, you get them all right away. Mm-hmm. Literally, literally daily. Uh, it yes. can it can be kind of annoying. Uh, every time you turn your laptop on, it says, "Hey, we've got updates." But there's a reason those updates are out there, right? They add security, they add functionality. Uh, why wait? Click the button, go on with what you're doing. Also. Um, Linux uh, uh, updates are often non-modal in that you they don't interrupt what you're doing. Uh, you can upgrade something like OpenOffice while you're using OpenOffice, and the next time you launch it, you get the fresh uh, upgrade. It doesn't make you shut down. Very rarely do you have to reboot uh, after an install, usually only when there's a kernel uh, change, which is the kernel is the, the engine of the, the Linux machine. Um, uh, very rarely do you even notice that it's updating. You just minimize the window and go on about your business. I can't say the same as a Windows user uh, about Windows updates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or updates to any of the Windows software, for that matter. True. Yeah, usually, you know, what you, Windows users see is, you know, they, they, they go to shut down their computer, and then it says, oh, we're installing updates, which is especially um, annoying for people using laptops. I bet you when I shut down this computer, since I'm using Windows, I'm going to have 20 updates they're wanting to install right afterwards, so... And I don't get the chance to install them while I'm using it because it doesn't pop up or anything like that. And I still don't have anything else up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Kay, do you have any other questions that you want to throw at us? I mean, is there anything that you were, that just pops out and says, hey, I got a question about this? Not really. Okay. Hmm. All right, so while you know, while she's thinking, um, another thing that we have on our notes here is, um, you know, we have this little thing that says, "Where is my start bar?" So um, let, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about the analogy of what the start bar is in Linux, and you know, basically how how that's different from Windows. Okay, well, everyone knows what the start bar is or the start button in Windows. And that's where you go to launch your applications or browse your your pictures or your files. You'd go there first. In Linux, it's usually broken down in one of two ways for most major distributions. There is a button in either the lower left or the upper left corner that is either saying menu or if you, like, for example, my Linux choice right now is Linux Mint. It doesn't have, uh, it has a single button, like... Mine says menu versus start. But in there, it has, you know, the My Documents folder, the, the My Computer, the network folders, and also access to my system menus and all my applications. In Ubuntu, you have it in the lower left, and it starts with apps, places, and then system, if I remember correct. And actually, it's in the upper left, and it's apps, applications, places, and system. So. And that's pretty much the only difference between the start bar and, and a Linux bar is that they break them up in most yep. in some of the major distributions. So instead of going to the start and then my computer, you can just go to places and then the location that you wanted to go. There is no control panel in Linux for the most part. Uh, some operating systems have tried to put that in there. Uh, uh, but for the most part, everything you need to do is accessible from one of those two menus. Exactly. Uh, most in most systems, it's under the system menu, and you have it's basically like the control panel with all the different options, just in the menu form. All right. What else you got, or guys? Or like, 
Um, I'm trying to think of what else we could talk about that wouldn't get into too much detail. <laughs> Remember, this is just a first show. Exactly. Um, let's see. I don't know. I mean, we pretty much covered everything for for a, a once over. Well, one thing. One thing that you know. You know, probably people are probably wondering. You know, so you're talking about Linux, but um, so so you're talking about Linux, but how do I go about getting it? So um, maybe we can cover that a little bit there. Well, let's uh, let's start with this. Let's come up with a consensus among uh, us as to what people should download. Which version of Linux is best for starting out, in our opinion? Um, I'm going to say uh, Ubuntu for the reasons I said earlier. Uh, largest hardware support, uh, largest uh, uh, software support, largest network of people using it. You can go to the Ubuntu forums and ask a question or uh, do a search, and somebody's probably already asked that question. Uh, it's it's actively in development. That would be the one I would recommend using, uh, Ubuntu spelled U-B-U-N-T-U. Um, what do you guys think? I would say ditto there. Well, I guess I, I'm going to be the oddball on the bunch then uh, because I'm going to say Linux Mint. And the only reason I say that is it's based of, uh, off of Ubuntu, so it, ha it still has the support. It still has the hardware support that you were talking about, Mark, but it has all the little extras built into it. So, like, you can play your music without installing anything out of the box. You have Flash oh, yeah. out of the box. You have Java out of the box there you you literally have a functional system the second you finish the but you push the finish button now yep. in ubuntu it's not hard to get those functions but with linux mint it's already done i can't argue with you there mm -hmm. and besides i like green as a theme so i <laughs> i i gotta go with the green theme Sorry. <laughs> the, the brown ubuntu bugs me <laughs> Well, it's orange and purple now. They've they've moved away from the brown. Uh, but yeah, uh, we and have. Me, I have a short attention span, so I get distracted like with that stuff easily. <laughs> so I, I guess I prefer the brown. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, I have used uh, Linux Mint. Uh, we've talked about it before uh, on the Taiwad Tech Show, and yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, my only thing that I would caution you about, um, and and I'll let you decide whether it's important to you, is what what they're doing. What Linux Mint is doing is not entirely legal in some cases. Uh, for example, it's not legal to distribute Flash. You have to go. Each person is supposed to go download it themselves, and it's bundled up in there. So again, you're getting the same thing that you would have gotten, and they're taking the step for you. But technically, by the letter of U.S. law, that's not legal, and that's the reason I stay away from it because I'm a stickler like that. <laughs> yeah, same here. But if you don't care, and I certainly understand why you wouldn't care, go right ahead. It's a great operating system. It is. And the, only other, the only other reason I'd say something else is maybe because of age. The only other distribution that I would say right now that I would give to a, a, a newbie to Linux would be like um, OpenSUSE 11.3 because it's been around for so long. The age of that, the, the, the longevity of that distribution has its benefits. Um, but we can go into those in a different cast. Yeah. That's something we didn't talk about is uh, uh, most 
Linux distributions have settled on uh, a six-month release cycle. Uh, certainly Debian, and there's a lot of things based on that one, and Fedora do that. So unlike Windows, where it took them five years to go from Vista to 7, even though people resoundingly said that we don't like Vista, uh, you had to live with it for a while, uh, Ubuntu is moving, and most of Linux distributions are moving at a six-month uh, pace. So you get something new, uh, and it's iterative. It's not a huge change. It's not like the jump from Windows XP to Windows Vista. You're moving all along. And some distributions are even, you know, what what you call a rolling release, where you never update. It just happens all, all automatically, and you're always using the latest version. And then others uh, might go as, as long as 18 months. But as far as I know, 18 months is the oldest one I'm aware of. Um, most everybody has a, a, a relatively uh, frequent release uh, cycle. And so that's, that's good. You're getting fresh stuff. But it could also be bad in that you're getting bleeding-edge stuff that doesn't always work. Which is why I was suggesting Open Susie. They also have a, they had the the middle ground. They don't have a long release cycle, but they're they're longer than the six months. They're at an eight to nine month release cycle. So they are a little bit longer. So you you you, you still get you all your updates during their production, but you don't have to worry about oh, in six months I got to nuke and pave in order to get the newest version. Mm-hmm. Nuke and pave. I like that. <laughs> you know, I just thought of something. Oh, Do you know how that everyone knows who created Windows and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, what's really sad is not everyone knows who created Linux. And I just, I was just thinking about that, and I was like, wow. Any good, any good Linux geek knows that. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> that that's, a, that's a very good question, though, because, you know, there, you, know you, you, you could say that uh, Linus Torvaldus, or however you pronounce his name, was the one who came up with Linux, you know, and who, who's done Linux. But, you know, basically, I, I, I don't think that's totally true because um, there's also, you know, all these different people. I think... As far as an operating system goes, it's basically a community operating system. Not not just one person conceived the idea and wrote it. It was a community effort. He, you know, Linus Torvalds actually made the kernel, kernel, what what the whole thing runs on. But you know, he is not the only person who actually does everything in it. You know, he's not the only decision maker in the entire thing. Which is very true. But, you know, we also haven't covered the, the big 800-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to why some people would choose Linux over Windows or even Mac for that radi- matter. What is that? The fact that there's no such thing as a malicious software or virus for Linux. Or if there is, it's such a small, minor, minor, minor bug that we really don't even notice it. Exactly. Um, I guess, you know, I can... We, we, I could say that you know I have never had to install an antivirus system on my Linux computer to protect my Linux computer. The only reason I install it is to actually scan stuff that's going on to Windows because you know I don't you know I don't have to worry about viruses or anything like that. 
and that's an interesting thing. Uh, every now and then, uh, a virus will be created, and it'll make big news among the Linux geek anyway. Uh, you know, uh, particularly those who are, are anti-Linux will say, "See, yeah, now it has viruses too." And then you look at it, and it's like something that a researcher created in a lab that's never been on out in the wild. And the only way it works is if you type in your password while it's watching, and click a button that says yes it's okay to allow this then it can do something but it can't really go to anybody else's machine unless you take it over there and physically you know it's it's not the kind of worms and viruses that we're accustomed to and it, isn't it sad that we're accustomed to them in the windows world um but it's just it's just different uh, the basic structure is is so much different that um, windows wants to do everything for you and, and the mac os as well they want to take uh, as many things as possible out of the hands of the user in the name of making it easier. But mm-hmm. but Linux was built from the ground up for security, and it doesn't do that. And it does require more user interaction to, say, upgrade, for example. It's not an automatic process. But that fact that it's not automatic also means that you're much more uh, less likely to be automatically infected and automatically infecting others. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I, I know one one thing that um that came about um I, I will point out uh Linux virus I should say um is one of the IRC chat um IRC chat um IRC chat um servers was actually it actually had a rootkit um or or should I say a virus embedded into the code and uploaded to a server that server was hacked and the code was edited and put into it. And so some people actually downloaded the hacked code. Um, it, it it went unnoticed for six months, and uh, I think. But the thing is, is it was relegated to a very small percentage of users who only downloaded the infected version of that software. And once they found it, you know, you could, you know you could get rid of it without an antivirus software. Exactly. Yeah, I don't run an antivirus. There are antiviruses for Linux. I don't run them. I don't recommend them. And I don't run a firewall on my Linux machine. Um, although those, again, are available. Uh, Linux has one built right in. Uh, there's uh, what SE Linux security enabled Linux. I don't run any of that. I mm-hmm. run it open. Uh, and maybe I'm being foolish, but uh, again, two years in uh, as a desktop user and 10 years in as a, um, a server user, it's never been an issue. Yeah, well, see, way. most people wouldn't even notice the, like, SE Linux, like you bring, brought that up, most people wouldn't even notice that that's even running. If, they, if they're running a distribution that has that turned on by default, you don't even know it's running until it prompts you because something did something it wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, you know, in Windows, a lot of the times, you know, when a new program asks for access, you know, it, Windows doesn't know about the program, so it has to ask you. In Linux, when you install a new program, you know, it's... with it yeah it's and we as computer users are programmed to check the button right well mm-hmm. this this program wants access allow or deny we, we're, we're monkeys we're programmed to click allow so it doesn't really matter anymore exactly at least windows users are programmed to just click the allow <laughs> button <laughs> I, I i read i read this thing about uh you know about the different windows programs and they came to windows vista and they had an analogy of an airport and, you know, it, it, it was talking about every 10 feet, you know, someone would stop you and ask you if you wanted to do this, cancel or allow. And, you you know, you just say allow because you're so annoyed and you wanted to get there. 
So you finally get on the airplane, and the and the person next to you says, "Hey, can I hit you? Cancel or allow?" And you say allow, and he punches you right in the face. You know. <laughs> so, just just something you know that I've seen there. You know, time and time again. All right, guys, I think it's about time to wrap this up. Uh, whether I'll give you uh, each an opportunity to tell us, uh, our listeners, where we can find about out about you personally. Uh, Josh, uh, you got a, a website, a Twitter feed, something like that you want to plug? Um, basically, I do have a blog. Um, it's not being updated too much right now. Um, it's tux2.myniche.tk. Um, I'll probably, you know, and I also have... Uh, you know, I also have a Facebook page, but you know that's not really open to the public. A Twitter feed, JR Tech Support, and and you know I also have another website called JRTechSupport.com. So you know you can you can find out more about me and what I do on those websites. All right, Slipped. What about you? Well, um, the the easiest place to find me is in the uh, Tightwad Tech forums. Um, also, I'm on Twitter under, uh, Twitter feed is Chris N on Twitter. And, uh, there is a Facebook page that I'm working on called Reboot It. That is, uh, me. So if you want to come and friend my Facebook page, that'd be much appreciated. All right. And I, as always, can be found at thetightwadtech.com. And uh, twitter.com slash the tightwad tech, facebook.com slash the tightwad tech. Um, and that's that's it for now. Um, that's I'm not going to give you my personal one, you got to go there to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla, how about you? Have you got a Twitter handle? Uh, You want to get some new followers? Um, I don't really go on Twitter. I have a Twitter page, but I don't really go on it. All right. So, I'm more of a Facebook person, but that's not something I'd want people to contact me on, you know? <laughs> you so don't if want... If you ever want to, like, get a hold of me, just talk to Josh, and yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And I will also say that uh, if you're a uh, Linux noob out there or know and love one and uh, they would like to come on the show, uh, you can contact us uh, for now at thetightwadtech.com until we have this podcast has its own space. And uh, you can you can be uh, one of our resident uh, noobs and uh, have your questions answered and, and maybe become famous in front of fives of people. And email questions. We, we need as many questions so we have uh, more subject matter to go over. Very good. Exactly. And if I were on top of it, I would have already had you an email address set up. But since I don't, for now, we'll just do podcast at thetightwadtech.com and put uh, Everyday Linux in the subject line. That works. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us. And uh, for now, we will just sign off.